Hey guys, O'Reilly here. Episode 24 is upon us, and with it brings one of Canada's, if not Canada's, very first new wave synth pop group, Rational Youth. Started in 1981 between Tracy Howe and Bill Vaughn. It has since seen different iterations throughout the years, from 81 to 86, 97 to 2002, and in its current lineup in 2009 to present, uh, as Tracy Howe and his wife Gaynor. And they sat down with us and we talked about the making of their new album, or EP rather, Future Past Tense. What it was like creating that, what it was like creating music in sort of three very distinct periods of time, 81 to 86, when all this equipment would have first come out in analog form, 97 to 2002. And then now, these days, where you can do almost all of it in the box, what it's like transitioning from doing everything on a 24-track recorder to popping up Logic and putting on a VST for the music. And so that was really interesting because so often, you know, we talk to artists who don't have any... They don't know the roots of a lot of the stuff, of a lot of the sounds or a lot of the themes that they're working with. But here, you know, with Rational Youth, with Tracy, we're talking to somebody who helped create a lot of the, a lot of the sounds that we now associate with synth pop, with what do we associate with new wave and just how he has seen that evolution happen from new wave into retro into coming back in a chic again. And it's a it's a really cool interview. It was one that went on. We boiled it down to about 50 minutes, but it was, you know, three hours long or so. Uh, uh, we just kept talking and talking and talking. It was really, really enjoyable. The both of them are really, really great to talk to. And um, you're going to really enjoy it. And I think it really, at the core of it, w- what we're talking about and what this podcast ends up being is sort of a examination of the shortening of the feedback loop between fan and artist. And I mean, I mean, we couldn't have done something like this in the 80s because fan and artists were so far removed but now someone like me can sit down and have a conversation with them and put it out for you guys because you know the the feedback loop has gotten tighter tighter and tighter over time and so that's really interesting and we explore that a little bit and i hope you guys like it episode 24 rational youth whoo it's a good one
around during three very distinct periods. And sort of each time, sort of the feedback loop between artist and fan has come closer and closer together. Yeah. Until now, you're getting to this point where you can plan if you're well known enough, a tour around just based on people that you know, like this. That's is, right. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, like, I've talked to other musicians about it, and some people like it, some people love it, other people want to be, they want to be like that superstar. They want to be the person who, like, they're enigmatic. They can't, they can't be known. They don't have a Twitter. They don't have anything. And those are people who are often I see busking. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, no, this is great. We can sleep on their couch. We can, yeah, you know. absolutely. <laughs> It, it, it just seems it, that seems crazy like what's that like interacting with fans well i guess you're doing it right now with us just like yeah one-on-one <laughs> -on -one talking same to them thing. Like just same thing i mean one thing i like to point out like i like to say about what you just said because about you both those three different periods is like the first period for me was like i don't know if you ever did you ever see that movie bull durham yes with, okay uh, kevin costner yeah with kevin costner yeah. you know you remember the scene where he's in the locker room and he's telling the guys about the show you know, and they're all going, oh, man, you were in the show, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, they got sliders, you know, you can't hit them, you know, and all of this kind of stuff, right? And he's like, I'm sort of like, I had my like my little, I had my, I had a few games up in the show, mm -hmm. and then that was it, right? <laughs> that was the 80s, right? Yeah. That was all that major label bullshit, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and and it was really, quite honestly, I'll be, there's two reasons for me why this is like the best thing ever number one is because i'm doing it now finally with somebody that i can actually really you know sort of do this constructively with who also happens to be my wife which is gainer <laughs> and it's like we have a very 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 deep and sort of you know telepathic kind of relationship with this i can't wait to feel the same way about whoever hosts this podcast with me. it takes time yeah. it takes time but but, you know, so that's one reason. And then the other reason is that really those other periods that you mentioned, Riley, were, you know, just for whatever reason, because they were so mercenary and commercially yucky, like they're sort of like low points in my life, you know, like, so I had, a, you know, all those big gaps that, that I've left in between doing this have been because I, you know, I was just pretty much pretty really bummed out by the whole mm. concept, you know. Not doing music and everything, but it really affected my ability to do it because, uh, I mean, I just wasn't temperamentally meant to be in the sort of music business the way it was. And I like it now for the reasons I just said, and because now we're just kind of, we're kind of like traveling minstrels, you know, it's just, you know, <laughs> well, she's making a face. She didn't like that. But we are kind of, you know. Well, I don't know, because that seems like you wouldn't... Oh, no, I don't know. It's just like we're having... It's it's more like we take these... It's basically a busman's holiday. Like, we just go, we're going to work, but it's a chance to hang around with, with all these wonderful friends that we have that are in other bands or that are really good fans. And so it's, uh, you know, hey, take a vacation with your friends. And, well, yeah. hey, you, you do a concert, <laughs> yeah. but then you get to hear them too. So it's... No, that's... A, that's win, win, win. That's, that's, a, that's a really good point. And the thing that... And another thing that's different nowadays, of course... Is that in the old days when you do a tour and it was like, you know, it was one nighters and it was one after the other, one after the other every night, right? When you did them. But now, you know, essentially, you know, we're playing for an older crowd, right? You know, let's face it, like our demographic is like more in the 30. Actually, it's younger than we are, but it's older than, you know, like it's not a 
kid, uh, you know, it's like 35 to 44 yeah. if you look mm-hmm. at our likes on Facebook. Yeah, that's right? what I would think Kind of thing, well. right? You know, that's mm-hmm. what you would think. Um, Is that your demographic? <laughs> 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 that's what I figure you could think. Yeah, I was I born in 81. Yeah. So, so what happens is like, uh, what happens is like you tend to play on weekends, even when you go overseas. So, so I mean, you're playing all around the weekends and then during the week, so this gives us a chance to just basically visit some of the Yeah, we just go people. crash on a friend's, <laughs> yeah, we just a friend's go, house and it's like, you know, hey, we just go spend three days with Descend yeah, on people fun. and, you know, and visit, you know, and <laughs> it's a lot, visit it's and, and go fun. see, and you can see the stuff because I always thought, oh, it'd be so glamorous to travel. But then when you're on a really grinding schedule, you don't see anything. You don't see a thing. But this way, it's like, hey, we can see your castle or your, you know, whatever your yeah. stuff is. It's, so yeah. it's great. It's fantastic. It's like, yeah, I'll sing for my supper. Yeah, that's right. So, like, what's well, it like having friends with castles? That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, we have your neighborhood castle. Maybe one of these days, you know, but not yes. so far. Our friends normally have apartments. Have apartments, so. but they can see a castle sometimes. They, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> they live close to castles sometimes. Yeah, no, so it's 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 good, and then um, and then we fill it in. I've noticed with our record, I think we're getting a little bit of interest in our own country, maybe this time because uh, there've been a lot of nice uh, blog posts and reviews and stuff all coming out of Canada. I die, you die, and things like that. Of an exclaim of like written about it, and it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. And so you know, um, it's just you know, again, is uh, Canada so vast? You know, it's just, it, it costs as much to go to Alberta as it does to go to Germany, you know, yes. so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really hard, you know, you know, whereas over there, you know, you get a more of an opportunity to pack in a bunch of dates on your weekends or, well, yeah, like, or whatever. You know, pow, 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 Sweden, yeah. Germany, mm-hmm. Poland, yeah, Poland, you know, you can, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all within like. Ontario. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. so it's close, and 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 you know, we can. So you've got, and you got on all so many different ways you can get between one place or another. Like they have cheap flights over there, but also you can. There's trains that go everywhere, and then you can. Well, I couldn't believe how cheap it is to rent a car over there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's way. It's less way, than half. It's less than here. It is like, here. like in Germany, you can rent a car for thirty-five dollars Canadian a day. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So. So when you're weighing the options, I could play in Germany or the Red Dog in Peterborough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Except, I don't know. What was that place we played in Peterborough with the normals? I played in Peterborough. Yeah, I know. In that little place. The spill It was maybe? very, very hot. It was like, oh my God, it was nice. It was a nice little place, but it was like a... Because your friend didn't want well, Say that again. The spill or... Yes, the spill. <laughs> the spill. Yes, the spill. yes, yes, the spill. The spill. <laughs> so I'm from Peterborough. You're from the Peterborough. The spill is like ah. the only place I can tolerate in there. That was a nice little place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the spill. <laughs> exactly. That was it. But it would be nice. I mean, it would be really nice to play. I would. I would love to. So was this back in the punk days when you were playing with the Yeah, players? well, yeah, like, not, yeah, the more the punk revival days more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. I mean, the, well, the normals revival. Yeah, the normals yeah. revival days, yeah. Like I used to be in this punk band in Montreal in the mm-hmm. 70s called The Normals and we sort of reformed the like about what was about 4 or 5 years ago was it? I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and we play, we played at the Spill in Peterborough. That was like going on tour for the normals, you know. It was getting off Montreal Island was like a yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a tour. <laughs> But I think one of the things that, at least for me, connects 2016 to sort of when new wave, or new wave was sort of coming out is there's a lot of the same issues. There's a lot of sort of like government surveillance. There's this, this there's this idea of like oh god yeah sort of oppression of rights. There's like everything that you guys sort of talk, especially on this new EP. 
is like this EP could fit in just as easily when the first time you put out uh, stuff. But then again, all this music could have been released nowadays. And it's crazy how like pertinent it is. 35 years separated. Was that something that you foresaw when you... I, it, I think it's something that we felt, right? Like, because it's sort of, it does feel very much like, you know, like in the 80s, it was well, like it did, Reagan the, was going to blow up the world. Exactly. Yeah. And it was all about and the money Russians and shot all down about a Korean banking airplane and, and all, all that And it was stuff. all greed and it was all, yeah, and Wall yeah. Street. Yeah, and, the Berlin yeah. Wall coming down. Exactly. The Berlin Wall. Yeah. And, and it was all weird and it was all that stuff, right? And, but it was like, I don't know, I I really think there was there was more optimism too, though, in the 80s. But in the future, this will all be taken <laughs> yeah, care well, of. Yeah, that was the In the future, I'll get in my flying car and my clean house that's cleaned by a robot. <laughs> And and it and it'll just be we'll have like the productive age of leisure because oh all this automation will make our workday so much shorter and we'll you know and that's gone now there is no no one thinks about the future the future is tomorrow the future is will my phone get even smaller or bigger again or you know <laughs> yeah. it's 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 not the same view of the future that there used to be yeah, yeah. I mean it would be hard to imagine if you with a really young person to sort of exp- I, I'd be interested to think. To, to to understand what they how they see like the future because the future was a thing where it was there like used to place. be a show on TV remember it was called Here Comes the Future and it was just like it was just like all the wonderful things that will happen in the future how with technology and oh, all this. Okay, remember yeah. Here Comes the Future and uh, you had this idea that it you just had this idea that it, like in the eighties like what you're saying was that yeah it was really a, there were a lot of really sort of oppressive things going on but you felt that eventually yeah we'd get past it will get past it and it will get better this the idea of you know there will have to be some sort of progress and i think it's just kind of a myth because i don't know maybe it's because i'm i'm old and twisted now or something. <laughs> no but it is it's like this drudgery of because i think because things are very are hard and now everyone knows where all the money is is panama but <laughs> you know people don't have i mean in dispo- even the disposable income they did in the 80s well, they don't have yeah. we know more now we know more yeah, about stuff and that's part of that exactly we know no and more so stuff you, to make you, you know mad. that you're kind of you can see where you're being sort of yeah, stonewalled and you there's can, more stuff to make you mad and you know it easily you know, you can find out. You know, it happens well, every day. There's a 24-hour news cycle, and there's something crazy and sickening that happens. Well, no, exactly. You can watch the that, devolving of, like, poor old the states. And, and then Donald Trump opened his mouth again. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. And we can... Well, no, and just... Yeah, exactly. Disaster, the, that is. the end oh. of manners and the end... It's like, oh, it's really sad. Whereas we thought... In, I think it was more in the eighties that this is a bit of a rough patch. Yeah. But when we get past it, it's gonna be it's gonna yeah. I think we were give more. Give me my uh, unitard. I'm ready to go. You know. But I hear like I, I I take your point about like the music being you know very much fitting with it. But it did it does in a lot of ways, and I feel I feel the same like that the times sort of contributed to a sort of feeling that you know it's that that I felt that we could do something relevant now, but. I feel like we're more we're more pessimistic now than we were then because at the behind all of the stuff that we would sort of you know comment on back then. <laughs> and it's different because I don't know before it was oh we'll live through this and then it'll be the future and now it's like yeah well we're old we're not going to have to live through it. Well, that's too true. Much we're worse. not going to have that much future left. I guess. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, yeah, it's true. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe that's all. But it is because it's the same, the kind of jaunty, you know, because it's the the kind of combination of okay, we want it to be kind of jaunty, but yes, also also like 
kind of heavy. You know, it's like, oh, we see all this bleakness, tra-la-la, you know. Well, that's funny. Yeah, that was the part that's going to get edited out where the, <laughs> the beer exchange happened. <laughs> and here's the... Uh, open here. Do you want me to do yours? Thanks, Annie. Uh, one thing about our music compared to a lot of the people, like the scene we're in and the sort of adjacent scene to it is more like and crossover with a lot of the same people who like us also like heavier sort of industrial and EBM and all mm-hmm. of this stuff, right? And, and I've tried to do that, but I can't, you know. Well, it's just not. It's just not, not the way it I, sounds like. Yeah, it's not what we sound like. But it's funny because... Because we're very, very, you know, I know we seem all jolly here doing this uh, this podcast, but we're really we're miserable. Not, we're, we're profound. Not. We're so we're depressing. Oh, it's people. awful, yeah. And yet we so know bleak. these people who do this like, yeah. you know, like, like I am a monster. I'm yeah. from hell. Yeah. Yeah. Music. And they're all like, they're really sweet and happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For free in their spare time, they're people. lovely and it's like. Optimistic people. And, and we're like gloomy surprised. as hell and we do these jaunty little synthbots. <laughs> yeah, <also>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's something interesting Abe, that I want to ask you guys about. How do you feel about? Because I know, like uh, listening to uh, or like reading interviews about you guys, when you started up, you just want to do stuff with as much technology as possible. How do you feel about people who are now doing music that sounds like what you guys were doing in the '80s? Because it's sort of the retro thing to do. Like, it seems like they like. What's that like? Um, well I mean I've noticed it all along I mean I think once once the sort of like you know you used to hear that kind of um, you know you know especially since when we started doing music with the kind of gear we were using and the kind of the kind of technical end of it Mm -hmm. you know it was fairly esoteric at the time we started but you know people's gradually especially when they brought the midi interface in then everybody sort of a lot of people got into it and you started hearing it in commercials and in you know tv music a lot and then you know so i've been you know i've been kind of used to it you know it always being there and then and then there's there's a million different types of electronic music you know since you know since the 90s there's been all these sub genres and everything and all these various dance genres and and I, I, I don't even use... I mean, when we started out, we used to call ourselves electronic because nobody had come up with synth pop yet or anything. <laughs> and we just said, we're electronic. When you say electronic music nowadays, it, it generally, you know, I think of some an electronic music festival, quote unquote, mm. with DJs. It's DJs, yeah. yeah. It's DJs, right? Yeah. So I don't really. Yeah, we had to let that go. So we had to let that go. <laughs> <label. yeah. laughs> and we had to be something. Those days are gone. You know, yeah. <laughs> you have to brand yourself some way. So we use like we use uh, synth pop because it it's not important. But but I can't like I, I find that I don't know I don't I I probably wouldn't be able to I, quite honestly I wouldn't be able to uh, to sort of answer your question in a roundabout way when I look at some of the reviews our new record got has been getting people always say well this is totally like 80s it's totally you know it's totally retro it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's their their positive reviews they think it's fantastic because because we stuck to our guns and we didn't change and and like i didn't really try to do that <laughs> but i but i wouldn't know i wouldn't know how to not make it sound retro so what is you know because i don't i try to listen to other stuff and 
that is but would not be retro and it all sounds retro to me so yeah. like all all music <laughs> is retro because i don't think there's been any real sort of new major sort advancement of, no, no no exactly there's not no everything's retro well and also i mean every i think every musician's up to a point the product of their time and their environment and things right so yeah and that's why i that's why i sort of settled on that okay we have a certain style so we call it synth pop now you know so it's like it has certain parameters and i'm comfortable within the parameters mm-hmm. yeah and, and it'll, it'll right now happily it's kind of in fashion but the same thing happened to it before it was like oh this is the future music and then it's like oh please synthesizers it's all about playing your guitar yeah. okay we're out of okay it's out of, fa- of fashion and then oh there's some sort of revival oh listen to this and then it's like oh no oh i remember this guy so now right now it's in fashion so it's like how great how retro oh, and it's, it's like and 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 in like two years it's gonna be oh my god so dated so old-fashioned oh my god you know now we're going so. back to the first phase you were talking about it's because this reminded me of this that totally Sorry, reminds, i can remember much music sent out they sent out uh they sent out daniel richler to go on bar hopping with me in montreal mm-hmm. was it for the new music or much music it doesn't matter anyway and the producer was there this english guy john martin anyway he very triumphantly told me synthesizers are finished you know, when would this it's have, all finished because big country is now. When would this have been? Yeah. This would have been like about 90s? 1985, oh, okay. 84, yeah. 85. And it was like this album by this band, Big Country, had come out. Did you, yeah. did you ever hear yeah, it? Yeah, Big Country. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, no, Big Country. And it was all guitars again. So it's like. He well, was I know, but same as R.E.M. Very R. happy oh, to tell me that it was guitars. all over <laughs> because guitars were back, you know? Yeah whatever i don't you know, know why what? I, yeah but well it did die it, down like, for a bit for sure i mean like you look at the 90s for example when like grunge music came out and like mm-hmm. bands like nirvana and soundgarden things yeah. like that were yeah all anybody could listen to and then on, on the other aspect you had like just dance music like 90s some of us were still listening music. to thick as a brick well yeah. no, the, you sure. see that's the thing too you know it's like i'm sorry <laughs> we're cool enough to play what we want <laughs> And if you if you don't like yeah. it, well, you can whistle. Yeah, I mean, our stuff is like, I mean, so so we're not, you know, obviously it's 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 there's nothing sort of like generally speaking and genre wise, there's nothing new about it, or the sounds or or you know, there's songs. I think they're good songs, but we're in a, our niche, and so that's why I get back to that jazz or blues thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like you know, you know, this is how you play. This is how you play Delta blues. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's got these things to it it's got a bottleneck guitar you know and it and it and you know and it sounds like this it's like fred recipe fred mcdowell yeah. i don't play no rock and roll you know so so it's like rational youth we don't play no rock and roll that's no. right you're like rational the venerable <laughs> old man of uh, electronic but it is it's it's like, you guys have to jazz. stop giving us titles for the podcast exactly. <laughs> we don't play no rock and roll <laughs> It's true because um, because yeah and and just like a jazz scene there can be eighteen year olds involved there's yes. 40, 75 year olds whatever it's it is a yeah. very small and close knit and I mean scene. nobody so ever I'm, brings up I'm the fact that we're called rational world. youth and we're like you know not not <laughs> young or rational not young yet. you know nobody there's ever mentions that. that so I just did but you know it's like it's like it's cool They're like people just funny. accept that it's it's, it's old enough a, now to be its own thing too it is yeah it is, is. yeah. I think it, one of my favorite things on the podcast, and it's happened a few times, is we've had, I think you guys will be our third or our fourth married couple who, really? who play together. Ah, interesting. It's funny because it's, it's one of the reasons, well, like, or at least romantically involved couple. 
One of the things that, like, I really, the only thing that makes me think we should start doing video podcasts at some point is because they say so much just with glances. Ah, yeah. It's not true. getting picked up on yeah. the audio. Like, I'll listen to it afterwards. I'll That's be like, right. they're saying this, but, like, they were giving each other looks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's uh, true, eh? Yeah. Like, that's a funny thing. That's Maybe they, maybe they. <laughs> Well, that's funny. Were these like bands, or, or was this? Are your podcasts always about music? Or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I mean, it is a nice way to do a band, you know. Yeah. Uh, but here's another question that has arisen in a lot of those cases: um, Do you guys separate sort of studio time and just sort of together, like just sort of like married life, and then there's studio time, and are you guys separate people <laughs> in one's part, and then? No. No. no it's just like, so. like, what are you doing right now? I'm brushing the dog. Well, now get up here. You know, it's yeah, like- exactly. That's exactly. No, that's what it is. Like he's the one he pays, p- spends most of the time upstairs okay. in the with the in the studio. I'm like that. That I cartoon. just come upstairs. He bellows. I go up. I sing a little thing. Okay, okay, bye, honey. Is that okay? I can come back and do it if you need yeah. another one. And I she's go off really again. selling herself short because yeah. like she had a huge input on this record. She wrote half the lyrics, wow. and she wrote and she you know I mean. Just her presence, um, like her sort of presence in a sort of spiritual way is like inspiring. But also her presence and her voice allowed me like, you know, as I say, we wrote the songs together, but it allowed me to sort of stretch them out in places where I wouldn't go because I, you know, like I've always had to write, write music for my own voice. So like... You know, I've learned to use my voice in a certain way so that it, I think it's effective. But when you have somebody who has a beautiful voice like Gaynor, then I can, I can push it. I can push a, you know, you can push a song off into a direction where I could never, I could never pull it off. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, but we're like, there's this cartoon, I think it was in the, from the New Yorker. And it's like, those are some of my favorite cartoons. (laughs) Okay. So it's like, you see this guy over, just sitting over a computer like this, right? He's like this, right? And you see the voice off from the from the from the wife, and she's going, "Honey, are you coming to bed?" And then he says, "This snare drum sounds like shit." <laughs> yeah, that's that's us. That's absolutely us. <laughs> that's yeah. totally us, man. It's that's so awesome. funny. That's great. like because I I'm a freak. I'm a nutcase. Oh no! Well, he just he, he's the one. He likes to spend the time up there fiddling and doing all the stuff. I have to admit, I'm not super interested in that. I'm, not, I, the, you know, because I always, you know, imagined like, oh, it'll be so lovely. I can just sit and listen to him, you know, when he's when he's working on music. But I didn't realize it would be like, like, like an eighth of a bar over, yeah, and, over, over and over and over and, again. And it's like it sounds fine, honey. It's it's fine. Why? No, no, it's totally <laughs> fucked. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't You're sound not, fine at yeah. all. Yeah. It so doesn't then, sound fine at all. So honey. it's okay. You know what? We need to cut a downstairs. little bit at 3200 hertz. Don't you think? Like, don't you yeah. think? Like, <laughs> exactly. what do you mean you can't hear it? Yeah, exactly. It sounds baggy. <laughs> yeah. It's baggy. No, like, so the way we work, eh, is like we're writing, recording, and mixing all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, does that work for you? Because yeah. I find, like, only way we can do it. Really? Because I'll when, get too caught up in like we. the sound design. <laughs> Eh? I said when he says we. Well, I mean me. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, I mean me and the recording part, you know. Yeah. But actually, this is the first record that reverse rational youth record that I ever engineered from start to finish and mixed it. I never mixed any of our stuff before. 
Like I, I recorded, you know, mm-hmm. stuff before my, you know, like my uh, our popper stoppers falling down. <laughs> no, I recorded stuff myself, you know, and I, you know, but I never, I never mixed a t- mixed mixed a track except for remixes I did for other people. Mm-hmm. I never mixed a track myself on a national youth record. I, for some reason, you know, it never happened. And if I could avoid it, because I always, I was like, I was sure I would screw it up or. I wouldn't like it. It would never happen. It would never get finished. But this time I did, and I'm very, I honestly quite happy with it. It it, it came out pretty good. Well, and also that's the thing of the technology. You well, know, it's, 1983. Yeah, I mean, it's I, not like you, you know, if I'd had right? to pay for the amount of studio time I spent on this thing, <laughs> yeah, oh god, there's no way we would have been we would have been in the workhouse. Yeah. So. <laughs> so was that a big reason why you decided to do? all the, the mixing and everything this time around oh well i like, mean there wasn't you really had the like tools available to you no you didn't have to pay well i mean they've been or? there for a long time I mean, yeah. quite honestly but it was just it would uh, you know uh just this time i made no and this time it was also like conscious like okay we gotta do it we're gonna do another record now just even thinking about doing that at, at a certain point was kind of challenging because it's been so long so we're going to do another record. And then we decided, you know what? Let's not do an, an album, a whole album. Like albums seem to be sort of some, for some people, less relevant nowadays. Let's do an EP. I always loved the format. And I'll, you know, especially once I got there, you know, um, Artifact Records did, the, you know, to agree that a 10 inch would be like an awesome format. So you can't, you can't put, you can't put 10 or 12 songs on a, on a, on a 10 inch vinyl anyway. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. six is great. So let's say we settle on, well, I was going to do five and then Yassi said, well, can you do six? So we did, we did six. And then I said, okay, so now we have to do this. You know, for me personally, at least for this one, I have to, I have to mix it. I have to mix the whole thing. It's got to, you know, because I, I mean, I've always been around people, also, this sounds kind of petty, but I've been around a lot of people who thought they were who thought they were pretty cool because they could mix a record, you know. And you know, <laughs> I saw that. He always exactly. does that. You know, and I mean, you know, it is something. I mean, it's like it is something. I mean, it's like, I actually, actually, it's it's it takes a bit of it takes a bit of practice. I mean, I think anybody with an ear can do it. But I wanted to do it, um, and I wanted to do it right, and and I wanted it to. I didn't want it to, you know, to be crap. And when I sent it to mastering, I didn't want the guy, the, I didn't wasn't going to master it. I know people make their own records and then they master them. I don't really know, understand how you can possibly do that. It's it's a wonderful opportunity to go to somebody who just does that mm-hmm. and is really good at it. And so, and and assuming that there isn't a bloody dropout in, in this side of the board. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Two thirty-six in. Martin Bose. <laughs> Martin Bose did a wonder. I know he's a guy that you can send a record to, and that's a wonderful thing. I mean, because he's in England, right? And I can you can just pop it and you send it. And, yeah, exactly. And, and there he goes, and yeah. and you know there it is. You know, it's like mastered in England. You know, and but he's really good. But I wanted to the mixes to be so that the guy's going to say, well, I did what I could, you know, you know, and I, because I've had in the past, back in the eighties, there were a few that were like that. And, you know, I wasn't doing them. And I'm not saying that to say, well, if I'd been doing it, it would have been better. I didn't have a clue, but they were like, well, there's some problems with this, you know, kind of thing. And then they ended up going out and so, and they were okay, but you know, I wanted this to be really good. So, 
was your first album on tape and then probably dat and then well that's interesting yeah and then like now just sort of first like, album the pro- yeah. yeah the first album i mean the cold war nightlife album was recorded in a recording studio on 24 mm-hmm. tracks mm-hmm. um it was a uh the the studio belonged to uh um, a record company called Unidisc in Montreal, and our producer Pat Desario was friends with those guys. Um, they were mostly disco stuff, um, and the studio was, you know, it had some good equipment and it had some bad equipment. I mean, but it, it, it yeah, it was, it was analog tapes, twenty-four track. Then, you know, then there was those ones with with Capital in the eighties. Those, those records with Capital in eighty, those were all, um, they were. They were mixed. They were recorded analog, but I think the Heredity album was mixed to like rudimentary early Panasonic digital system, and you know, which nowadays you probably It'll think, last forever. Did you after? <laughs> did you actually put it on that? You know, like, but it probably cost ninety million dollars at the time. Yeah, you know, but it's like, where is it now? It was weird because I remember it had actually had open reel tape. It was the idea was that you would record digital, and the digital. Uh, would be encoded onto this magnetic tape so you could edit it you could edit it <laughs> with a razor blade like like analog tape it was a stupid it was a weird you know um and then yeah you said dot so so then we did this album in uh, 1999 and i recorded it on a uh, it was called to the goddess electricity mm-hmm. and i recorded it on one of these um Roland uh, VS1680 Porta Studio. And so it was recorded on that and then it was mixed to a DAT. So that was like really, really hardcore 16 bit digital stuff like yeah. in those days, you know. Now, here's a weird thing about that. So when then it we came out, it was mastered in a really nice studio in Sweden, uh, actually Polar Studios in, in Stockholm, which was ABBA's studio. Yeah, so you know, then that's how the CD came out. But years later, like a few years, only just like three or three years ago, um, our record company Artifact wanted to put it out on vinyl. So they sent it. So it got sent to this uh, rec- to this um, pressing plant, uh, digital in Holland, with extra tracks and with direct metal mastering the way they do it now. The vinyl record is actually longer than the CD. And it has full volume. It's like it didn't lose any level. It sounds better than the CD. Like the vinyl of Goddess Electricity sounds yeah, better yeah. than the CD. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And and it's got like the album is like it's like over it's like it's like fifty eight minutes or something. Like when the two on thoughts. vinyl, yeah, on vinyl. It's direct metal mastering. And you've got you can put up to twenty six like minutes. Yeah, aside. I was going to say because I'm a big vinyl head, so. But with yeah. direct metal mastering, you put up to 26 minutes aside. But depending on how new their equipment is, the trouble with direct metal mastering, which became a big thing at the end of the 80s, is that it it tends to sound kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. But they have newer systems now. And this so this one at, at uh, Record Industry in Holland. And I mean, I, I was... I was totally amazed at how good it sounded. How did we get on to this? What was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, well, we were just sort first of... Like, album oh, you're talking about on. analog to dad. Yeah, you've to, gone to... Yeah. You guys have seen everything. And this show. was recorded. This one was recorded on Logic, on my yeah. MacBook, essentially. You know, it was mm-hmm. uh, a mixture of analog, virtual analog, and software synthesizers. So you, you, you're willing to use software synthesizers? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't have to. I don't have to hide from that. Vince Clark uses him too, and he does. He's not afraid to hide from it too. Um, I yeah. I, I uh, well, I mean, I used to. If I had some of the stuff I used to own. Um, I would be very happy. I, I'd probably be potentially <laughs> very, you know, I'd be potentially very rich too if I had some of the synths that I used to own. But I don't own a lot of that stuff anymore. So I use the yeah, it's a mixture. I, I I hearken back to what we said in the beginning with, and especially like my partner in the early days of Rational Youth, Bill Vaughn. I mean. He was an analog synth genius. I mean, he was amazing with analog synths. But he he wouldn't go. He wouldn't. He just absolutely does not relate to the sort of like analog nostalgia you have, like people have nowadays. To him, that's completely counterintuitive. To him, the idea was analog synthesizers are great until something better comes along. This is exactly what I've been saying for 22 episodes on this podcast, is the people who were doing things at that time were doing it because of the best thing available to them at that time. And if those people were making albums today, they would not be the ones looking backwards and spending $10,000 on a modular synth to get the same sort of sort of acid house bass line that someone had. I know. They would be doing whatever it is that could push them forward, like be as cutting edge as possible because that's what they were doing back then. Exactly. I could never relate to this TB606. Like in the 90s, all of a sudden this thing was worth, this thing was worth, uh, you know, like, like, two thousand dollars all of a sudden and it was worth 200 when it came out <laughs> because it had one oscillator and it sounded like a nasal little piece of crap but you know like and and nowadays i mean i know guys i know some real synth nuts right like collectors and stuff like that and they'll spend they spend you know they've got money to burn and mm-hmm. it's like you know they treat these things like you know like guys with the guitar, well, I got a you know fifty seven Stratocaster, or you know, yeah. I got a I got a fifty nine uh, ES three thirty five block, you know, and it's like <laughs> you know Eric Clapton, uh, you know, used to, you know, it's like yeah. worth you know fourteen thousand dollars, and like that that wasn't the idea, mm-hmm. that wasn't the idea, the idea, and Bill couldn't wait to get into digital, digital synthesizers, because the early digital synthesizers were awful. Um, and then like everything, like it's funny because everything like a synthesizer theoretically can make any kind of sound because it's all based on, you know, simple waveforms and adding harmonics with filters and stuff like that or samplers. You know, the idea was, oh, my God, it's going to be fantastic. You're going to be able to have the sound of wind and rustling through the trees. And, and, and you know, you're going to you're going to make music with it. Well, they don't. No, you just sampled, uh, you sampled drums and basic synthesizers and stuff and used it to say, you know, and like, you know, the 10 different, uh, you know, uh, you know, permissible bass synth sounds that, yep. you know, it's the same thing. So, so I don't have any sort of shame, you know, like to my ear, you know, oh, you know, like, it's like, you know, I'm not like when I hear like there's good software and then there's less good software, but some of it's really good, you know, like, like, I mean, so, 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 it, you know, this stuff sounds really good to me. So I like these types of sounds and I, I grew started with, you know, analog synthesizers. So I, I keep, you know, we keep the sounds in that ballpark. Right. Mm-hmm. And then some of it is analog and some of it's virtual analog. And it's, but like in terms of being purest as to, you know, the, the gear, I mean, if I could afford it, you know, I would. But Vince Clark, have you ever seen the stuff that guy has? 
why does he use software? Because he likes it, you know, because it, it suits him, you know, occasionally to, you know, to, to use something like well, that. Well, and also that that giant old stuff doesn't suit our, our vagabond style well, <laughs> that we have now. <laughs> well, that's true. That's another thing is that, that stuff you know, does not travel well. You know, so, we, you know, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to take like, like really expensive and finicky and fragile, you know, stuff you know, like around with you nowadays, the way, the way, you know, we have to move, right? I mean, it's like, you can't like, um, mind you, you know, but if I, you know, if I had, if I had money to burn, I, there, there's a few things I still would get, uh, of old side. And I like, I'm, I'm, I, I like some of the new stuff that they're making now. If I get a, you know, it would be great. I'd love to get one of these new, uh, OB6s, like the Oberheim OB6 that they yeah. put out, the Dave Smith put out. I would had a couple of my friends. Simon's got one. Uh, yeah, Simon Helm got one, and um, who else? Oh, um, Johan Backstrom got one. This uh, the Oberheim OB six. Um, yeah, I could, I could, I could live with that. You know, there are definitely a few things out there of the new things that have are purely analog that I would definitely go for. That new Arturia uh purely yes i saw that it's like the, the, max the matrix thing yeah the, the matrix, matrix thing. yeah oh yeah no, that looks smoke. insane yeah that looks insane yeah that looks really good it's yeah. like what if we could do everything for everyone well you see once? that's a great thing because that's different right like that's somebody somebody went outside the box a little mm-hmm. and used use that old technology look the sound of analog synthesizers is a you know if you like that it's a great sound. I love the sound of that. So, you know, I mean, so I, I either use, you know, it, you know, the real thing or, or, or the, or the, well, I, you know, it's all that sound. They're all the same harmonics for God's sake, mm-hmm. you know? It's almost like a fetish for the old gear is limiting us in what we could do in software sort of stuff because, yeah. like, still I'm using compressors that, uh, when I stick them on a track, they'll show me the old VU meter, and there has to be an easier way to show me what that is doing these days. Like, you've got almost anything, you've got any sort of stimulus at your disposal now, and you're still doing this thing where it's like, oh, it's red, it's limiting. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. you, there's a more efficient way to tell me that. It's 2016, yeah. come on. No, I know, I know. Everything's built on, yeah. a, on a sort of like a sort of retro interface because they, uh, like, either people would feel more comfortable or you'd feel like it was more. You know, the idea being that you would feel like you were more sort of connected to some some distant past or something. But but you're yeah. right. You know, like, I mean, the idea. So the idea with us was always that there was going to be again, it's about the future. In the future, this will all get better. You know, this mm-hmm. will all get better. This is the best thing we have right now. And, uh, you know, this is what the future sounds like today. But this is not necessarily what the future is going to sound like tomorrow. <laughs> You know, that was the idea. It was kind of the same idea as like the Sex Pistols said, look, the whole idea of punk was that everybody, you know, people do what they want. You know, it's like people do, you know, interesting, creative things. You don't all just like cut your hair like us and copy what we sound like. But that's inevitably yeah. what always happens. And so that's what always happens with this with this technology stuff, right? People just done this like with the samplers. People just tend to to go back to the same old sounds, you know. And you know, for in some ways, you know, it's because those sounds are kind of like they're hardwired into our psyches in a way. You know, some of the acoustic, you know, music sounds. I mean, you were talking about, um, you know, the 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 group with the ch- with the cello, is it? Um, you yeah. know, like so. So I mean. 
you know, these these instruments developed because like at least in terms of our Western ear, you know, they 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 they're capable of producing a type of sound that mm-hmm. that 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 resonates with us, to put it, you know, <laughs> if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> but, um, right? But it is and people are again same thing, limited by their thinking, limited by what they what they expect mm-hmm. you know and and i mean up to a point because it's part of the thing oh everyone's like oh this album it's it's so retro it's so great it's so whatever well part of it is because a, a lot of it is what you expect mm-hmm. and uh you know there's kind of a balance between but that's also because be. you know that's another thing that gainer gainer is like the bullshit detector and she knows what the, she she knows, and I trust totally. Into the mics, please. Yeah, <laughs> she totally knows what rational youth is supposed to sound like. Like she really does. Like because Gainer, when I met Gainer, Gainer was a rational youth fan. This was like, you know, this was like thirty five years ago. But she was like a rational youth fan, and she really was was into it. And so um, she always knows. She always knows if I'm doing something that. You know, it's not wrong. It's not right. You know, like it doesn't. It's not something that we should do. So, because I, I have less of a filter on myself, and and I really appreciate that she does. And I think that's one of the also one of the reasons why the record is like successful. You know, as a artistic sort of artifact, because because she kept it like she kept it authentic, right? Mm-hmm. But talking about the whole thing about like the software and all that stuff, you know, I was thinking about it. Like the whole point is. Is is anybody who has something good to say, or as you know, I don't want to sound elitist and say anybody who has talent, but like it's like you can get you can get a good sound out of anything. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I learned that, and, and I learned that with 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 like guitars and stuff. Like where I remember, my friend had this like he had this you know the legendary fifty seven stratocaster right <laughs> and it sounded amazing and he just plug it into an amplifier with no effects and it would just be amazing and then when i played it it sounded like crap well why is that well because <laughs> i'm not him you know what i mean yeah. you know I, it's not about the guitar you know that guitar didn't sound any better when i played it than you know some you know some knockoff piece of junk you know yeah i had a friend who he saved up and he saved up and he saved up and then he bought uh, like one of the new uh, MS-20s. Oh, yeah. One of the new MS-20s. Yeah. yeah. And so and he bought it and he probably had it for two and a half months before he sold it because he had been using MS-20 plugins. Oh, yeah. And then he's just like, I love this synth. I need to get this synth. And so he got it. And he's just like, it's hard to make patches and then remember it. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, idiot. Come on. Exactly. Oh. And you had those sounds that were so simple to access yeah, I know, right but, there. And- well, that's true. But, you know, like, I mean, if he if 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 he uses the MS-20 plugins and he ends up with coming up with a really great, a really great track in the end, that's all that really matters, you know, mm-hmm. I think, you know. But um, <laughs> that's a funny story because I remember... The MS-20 was probably one of the first synthesizers I ever had my hands on. And I couldn't figure the bloody thing. This would have been <laughs> this would have been like when they first came out. And that was pre, like, I'm talking, they came out in the late 70s. Actually. Mm-hmm. They came out in like about 78 or 79. Like, and I don't know, you know, why they brought it. You know, it's so odd that they brought the thing like that out. And Scott Cameron had one. Mm. And that was in Heaven Seventeen. So oh. I was just going to ask, what was the synthesizer you used with Heaven Seventeen? It was a, it was a, it, yeah, it was a, a, a an MS Twenty Korg MS Twenty, and 
Um, and then I had got this thing, which was uh, which I carried over into Rational Youth, which yep. is a Logan string melody, All which right. was a German string synthesizer so you get this big pad out of it it was really lush sounding it was a beautiful thing that's one of all the old things i had it probably like it probably wasn't the most valuable but it'd be the one i would love to have now because it had a very characteristic sound um there were very few of them made um and i mean it was probably meant for you know you know just for it's probably made for like German Schlager bands, you know, playing, <laughs> you know, playing, playing the hits of the day. But it, it had a wonderful sound. But we were just talking about how you know it doesn't really matter. Like if you've got a good idea and you know you can get a good sound with anything. You know? Oh, of course. Uh, but I do know people who are just like a couple of guys I know in Sweden who are just like ridiculous collections of synthesizers and you know. You know, and then they put out a little YouTube thing every once in a while. I say, oh, it's fantastic. Oh, my God, I'm so happy that you like it. And it's like, I'm looking at all this stuff, and it's like, geez, man, it's okay, you know? <laughs> it is, it, it's one of those things where I think nowadays it's, it's okay to sort of put off being like, oh, I'll be an artist once I have this piece of gear. Like, <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> you, if you were, if you really wanted to do that, you'd be doing it to the best of your ability right now. I I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Although there is sometimes, there are times when I say I really, really need such and such. Like, you know. Um, yes, there are. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, not to the extent Thanks, of honey. like. I know, I'm but assuming- I'm not that bad. I, you could do far worse, believe me. You could, you could be married to, to Jonas Showstrom. Now, that guy is a freak, man. What, for equipment? Yeah. Um. Sorry, honey, we're not eating this year. I have to buy a Profit 5, you know? Yeah. But, like, there was a time where you'd go to a specific studio, get that sound. Yeah, like, yeah, true, true. Like, well, I'm not sure if anyone went to a, to a studio to get, like, the Emerson, Lake and Palmer sound. Because how many of those did they actually make the big... I knew... Oh, you mean the, the that big... That was a Moog Studio 55, I think it was called. I don't think they made very many of them. But when I first... The very first day I met Vilborn, he was with... He lived in an apartment in the East End of Montreal with this guy, Mario Spezza, and they had... Like I walked into their place and it just I just practically walked back out because like, well, Bill had these like these big Roland modular systems. So he had three System 100s and a System 700. Mario Spezza had a Moog Studio 15 and and a Moog Studio 35. Like he could play one note, <laughs> but what a note, you know? Yeah. It was like, Jeez. Wham! You know, like it was just this thunderous note, you know, like. Oh, can you change that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let me find but the like, wires here. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, yeah, yeah, the, the 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 studio, different studios and different sounds and stuff like. Speaking of Emerson, Lincoln Palmer, actually, um, that a record that we did, uh, Heredity, had an engineer on that who had actually started as a tape operator in England, which was a job that they used to have. <laughs> it was like an assistant engineer, and they called them tape operators over there. I mean, usually you were like an apprentice and you started when you were like 16 yeah. at school, right? Um, and uh, the first session he worked on was uh, Brain Salad Surgery by Emerson wow. and Palmer. <laughs> and he told no me pressure. that Carl Palmer couldn't keep a beat. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I remember what is it's Carnival Nine on the back end of that album, I think, right? Yeah, that's on that album. Yeah, Carnival Nine. Yeah. My father, you had a, a hi-fi stereo system in our basement at one point, and the first time, the first thing that sort of got me into progressive rock, it was just like Riley sit in between these two speakers. So and your then dad the was a bit of a stoner, night. was he? <laughs> he wouldn't <Maybe>. admit it. <laughs> no, he's a principal. <laughs> yes. He was a principal. <laughs> But I mean, he was into progressive rock in the 70s. He's like sitting you down between the speakers. And so, yeah, so you can hear sort of uh, Emerson's thing. Like at the end of the album is... And so it sort of goes back and forth between the speakers. And like at that point, for him, when he first bought that record, that would have been revolutionary. Like a stereo thing where they're like, oh, they put some effort into panning this and things like that. Like actually he... You guys might get a kick out of this. He lived, he grew up in Scarborough and uh, he lived next door to uh, Gowan and he was best friends with Gowan's younger brother. And so Gowan would tune pianos all day. And then at the, once he got back, his brother would invite a whole bunch of kids from the, from the neighborhood to come over because I guess they had, uh, he had like a Moog, Moog, Moog. Uh, synthesizer. I'm not a purist about that. I think you're supposed to say Moog, but I always feel pre- I for for 40 years I felt really pretentious every time I say <laughs> Moog instead of Moog. Yeah, you know, it just seems like Moog is sort of more down to earth, even though it was Moog. I know, right? Moog. <laughs> anyway, uh, but he would uh, if if Gowan was feeling up to it that day, he would play "Hoedown" by. Uh, yeah. Emerson Lake Ball. Do, 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 do. And yeah, like yeah. he'd get the two hands With going. The two hands. Yeah. Gone. We opened up for Gowan once. Oh. <laughs> it was weird. It was in a, in a Saint Jean uh, uh, army base in a, in a big hangar. <laughs> it was weird. It was really weird. You know? Can yeah. you guys come back like every week and just give us more? Of <laughs> oh, these you love stories? this. Oh, this is awesome incredible. Stories, yeah. <laughs> you love this stuff. Yeah, um, Gowan, but he's he's been in Sticks for years, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. singer for Sticks. Oh yep. my yeah. god. I guess is he Larry again? Yeah, he's Larry <laughs> Gowan. <laughs> Larry again. He's Larry Gowan. Yeah. Oddly enough, you're the third uh, guest we've had on this podcast that have worked with uh, with Gowan. Larry Gowan. <laughs> <laughs> really? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The visit did it, and then we had another girl who was in on the same session. They were like a string section for him on something that he was doing. Oh, so right, eh? like mm-hmm. a retrospective or something on his career. No kidding. Which I can't imagine how many different ways you can play strange, strange animal. Strange animal, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the other one? Um, uh, no, 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 no. The slow one. A oh, criminal. What was criminal it? Mind. <laughs> criminal mind. Criminal yes. mind. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. The other one, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, the thing, the thing that I found offensive about him, though, was the mullet. You know, like <laughs> you had a mullet. I've seen pictures. Yeah, of you I had a, had a mullet for very, very short. There was a short window of mullet mm-hmm. opportunity in my life, mm-hmm. somewhere around 1984, <laughs> and I had it. And so you took it. Was that something you should have done? <laughs> This has to be tough hearing from your bigger, biggest fan slash bandmate. <laughs> well, I, I know, like, but I mean, okay. But a lot of cool people had a mullet at some point. Maybe an interesting car ride home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, better hope there's no crashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there is one But he did have a very extreme mullet. No, it wasn't an extreme mullet. It was just like, 
Wait, it was because it, it had that it really was hard spiky bangs. on top. He had a spiky on top, and yeah, but those hard bangs full of hairspray, you can see because they kind of arched down. Remember? Jeez. You did. I'm just saying, but you didn't. Flock of you... seagulls in the front, but yeah. party in the back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, yours was understated, but no, was... and it was long, you know, longish in the back kind yes, of thing. Sir, it was okay. It was a nice mullet. <laughs> Once I was in, once I was in, I can't remember what store, I think it was in Giant Tiger or something. And this guy had this freaking mullet, man. Like, he was, it was gray. And it was like, I swear to God, it was just like this long on top. And I swear it was down to his, like, armpits, like in the back. Oh. And there was these two little kids, it must have been 10 years old, two boys. Mm-hmm. And I heard them, they were going like, look at the mullet, look at the mullet. <laughs> And it just, like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> broke me up. I thought yeah. that was like that was so cool. You know those kids. Oh jeez. <laughs> Look at the mullet. You know the mullet. Calling it a mullet too. As a Canadian, that kind of bothers me yeah, because it's, it's hockey hair. It's hockey, hockey hair. hair. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but in Britain they called it football hair. Did they? Yes, they did. Oh. Just out of curiosity, earlier in the podcast you were saying, uh, "quote unquote," we're not a rock and roll band. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What inspired you in 2014 uh, with Psyche to cover ACBC's Thunderstruck? Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's we, it. Started really literally as a, as a joke. Like, okay, we have a friend, and we have one of our. You know, we were talking. You, know, you mentioned Anders who would come over. Yeah. To, to to you know to Iceland is coming to yes, Ottawa yes. to see us. Okay, so he's got a whole crew of friends, right? And the other guy, there's another guy in there. This guy Peregro, uh, and and the, the, these guys are in Gothenburg, Sweden. Anyway, Per is like he's got like a total total hate on about guitars, and he hates rock and roll. Like he's just like he's just ridiculous. It's just it's like a joke, and and you know like you know I'd send him things like okay, well look, this is like Johnny Marr. Like, do you like this? Mm-hmm. Oh no no no! It makes me ill. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. It's not even. It's not like Richie Sambora. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's just like, you know, guitar. No, it makes me feel ill. It's like, for God's sakes. So to wind him up and to to try to teach him that music is music, we had this idea of let's do let's do what kind what kind of you know heavy rock song can we cover and do it in a synth style you know, for when we play over there because he's going to be at all the gigs in Sweden. So yeah. we'll play it for him. We'll dedicate it to him every night <laughs> and we'll make him, we'll embarrass him and it'll be really fun. And, yeah. Oh, nothing, but uh, continue that part of the story. Okay, so that's what we did and then we ended up, so then we ended up, so why not record it, you know? Because... But it was also a thing for Darren um, very much from Psyche. He, he had been bullied Oh, that's right. A lot in high school. And I remember back in the day, like like nowadays, people look like all kinds of things and it's like, yeah. it's all okay. But then that was not the case. No, that's true. Yeah, and it tended to, like to be, look. exactly. Yeah. And ACDC fans, they so. were really bad for that. And so he looked different. And he was, you know, because he's been doing psyche since he was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so he was very victimized for that. And so that's part right. of it was this whole thing of it's like, if it's it's just music like why why were these people like yeah, so, so was, awful yeah. so that was kind of redeemed it some way for him exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's true. like okay let's choose one that would first of all really freak out 
these people that were, you know, <laughs> and boy, did it. You should have seen the reaction. I was getting reaction. death threats, hate mail, all this. Hate mail. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. And Traders. it's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it is because oh, it's like, no. well, ACDC, no, you know, they're fun, their songs are kind of jaunty, whatever, but there's just something, there must be something really ugly underneath because they're fans. Before like, we even recorded it, was it somebody had taken a. Wait, from ACDC fans? Yes. yes. Oh. oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And somebody had somebody had um, uh, somebody had uh, done, done an iPhone video of our show in Malmo, Sweden, and when we were just doing it as a live thing for a for a yeah. gag, right? Yeah. And uh, and it somehow got around, and then you know, sort of the, some rock station in London, Ontario, started doing this whole campaign about what a you know what a what a travesty it was, you know, like Rock 107 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they got it, and people were getting stirred up, and then I was all on my Facebook. I was like, you fucking faggot. You yeah, know, really yeah. homophobic, really. It was really wow. vile. Oh, yeah. The stuff. Yeah. It's like, whoa, it's a song. It's yeah. not, you know, we didn't, it, it wasn't meant to offend the good people of ACDC. Who, why would they care? If <laughs> it became a, a big shit? hit, they'd get some rights for having written it. It's like, I mean, some money, you know? Yeah, it's like, like, hey, thanks. I thought we'll it was that. That was the thing that really got me is why these sort of losers feel they have to defend these billionaires. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it was, but it was amazing. It was so full of hate. It was so yeah, ugly. It's like, stuff. whoa. No, I literally had yeah. people say, if I ever see you, I'll kill you. you yeah, know? I'll oh kill you. God. Why don't you go die, you faggot? Why don't you, why doesn't your mom get an abortion of you in the old days like it's just crazy ranty <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. like whoa you're from yeah. somewhere odd <laughs> Jeez. you know what i mean there's yeah. been a lot of covers of that song and all kinds of weird different sort of styles there's that finnish uh that finish bluegrass band yeah. did it, you know. And but it, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. you know I there's know. the cello totally version of it. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's just a song. And then the whole idea was to prove, you know, really, it's all music. It's a mm. good song. And mm-hmm. I think it's still a good song. I really like that song. Yeah, you know, and I like ACDC, you know. I mean, you know? I don't, I really honestly don't hate the band. But well, I'm thinking less of them now because there really must be something but evil there's underneath there. because they yeah. attract this ugliness. Because yeah, you almost, oh, no, it was amazing. It was like we couldn't believe it, and and some of the, and so so tenacious they wouldn't stop. Yeah, they wouldn't leave it keep, keep, blocking keep, people yeah, all the time, and, and keep sending more and more. And then because remember that one guy he found, then he found another way to email you or something. It was like oh yeah, there was one Whoa. guy that was really after me. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it was oh. really freakish. Yeah, it's like, okay. it was really bad. It was just a joke. And it's yeah, it was just, just a, a thing, you know. It's just, you know, hey, sorry, you know, Jesus, yeah. I offended your... So, uh, so probably won't be doing that again. <laughs> I was just going to say, so what's the next classic rock song you're going to cover? Yeah. yeah. And for our next record. Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah. you guys are going to be playing TNT tonight. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a pity, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. That was crazy. It was crazy, and it was totally unexpected. We thought, you know, like because you always get people that kind of don't get stuff. Like, that's lame. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, 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 you don't get it. It's not really for you. But no, it's like, whoa, sorry. Like, it's if you wrote this, that in a movie, they would say, that's too that's realistic. Silly, exactly. That's not going to happen. Exactly. You yeah, wouldn't that, believe it if you saw it in a show. And the synth people, like, there are the, like our fans didn't, you know, the nice thing about it is they didn't say, okay, you know, like oh i'm offended or you know too they all just kind of got the joke and it was you know it was reasonable and then if you saw it when we did it used to do it live and you know on that tour one tour we did 
you know, it was like people got into the spirit of it and sort of enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. kind of a laugh, you know, and they'd laugh. You'd see people. Oh, totally. Laughing. And then you'd also see kind of you're busted because they all knew it. Yeah. And especially live, you know, <laughs> and especially live, you know, like I would do, I would do the part that I said, cause I can't sing like that guy. But Darren sort of can, eh? Darren, yeah, Darren from Titan sort of can do voice. it, right? He can sort wow. of sing like that. So I would start out in this really, like, especially live in this really sort of like pretentious sort of like intoning sort mm-hmm. of really, yeah. really kind of, you know, really kind of effete sort of, you know, I was bored, you know, yeah. like. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then I had the vocal And you're doing the vocal order. Yeah, and then Darren would be like, <laughs> the highway, and he could do that. You yeah, know, he could do it was, that it stuff was really then, fun, and yeah. it, they all got it. But clearly, and then I'd be, I was shaking to the knees. Yeah, it was. It was, it was like it was the mash. like monster mash. It was the monster mash. I did a call like monster mash. Yeah. It was like monster mash. It was so you know, silly. It was, it was kind of amusing. It was just you know, silly. It, it wasn't <laughs> meant to. It wasn't meant to be art, but it was and it wasn't to meant to offend uh, no. ACDC either. I I would oh, like to think that say, oh, that's a bit of a laugh, you know. Yeah, 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 you know, thanks for the minuscule royalties yeah. we'll get from that. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. You know, if you see the yeah. if you see that it came out on a record and it says, you know, it says it says uh, you know the 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 credits on it and it says you know Angus Young and Malcolm Young, you know, and that's mm-hmm. right there. So you know, so whatever, yeah. you know. And for our funny. next thing. Um, Ace of Spades will be on our next record. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Lemmy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, God, eh? But no, no, really, you don't dare. It's like, what is wrong with you? You know? Wow. Lighten up. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. wrong because... I mean, ACDC, they read silly songs. She's yeah, so big, blah, 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 You know, yeah, you're hilarious. But maybe they don't get that either. I don't know. Like, I mean... No, I wouldn't dare to do a, like a Motorhead or something. But it's funny that you can, you're allowed, you you could rec- you could cover a lot of artists, but and you wouldn't get that reaction. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, you know, everybody like a lot of people like David Bowie. Like you could like you could cover a David Bowie song. I don't, I don't think, think we get, get death threats now. over. Yeah. Him, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know. Even so you you think like with ACDC, they they're fun because it seems like they're perpetually in high school, like that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's okay. So that's the the angry young testosterone riddled boys that uh, you know the girls don't want to date, and uh, they're so they're in the basement getting angry. And then uh, now they have a the internet, so they can send you a horrible email. Well, I mean that's why yeah. a lot of a lot of bad stuff happens nowadays too, eh? Yeah, like this guy in Orlando, who, yeah. you know. We'll 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 be spending the next ten years trying to figure out exactly what his motivation was. Yeah, I, I, you know it's so convoluted and fucked up. You know, yeah, it's so, so many layers of weird you can't even shit. Begin, begin Angry to young man it. stuff. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know it's crazy. Huh? That's, that's the kind of world we're you know you're kind of it's kind of scary how you know the whole thing. I mean, you know we see a lot of things about kids. You know, like uh, high school kids. You know, like you know we're bullied like online bullying, right? Like and Whoa, you know, we got a little taste of it there because that's what it would be like to be. Yeah, that's what it'd be like to be like singled out in high school by everybody, and then yeah. But luckily, we're you know older, (laughs) so it didn't like ruin our lives. But it was really. Yeah, it was very strange. So the nice thing is, nobody thought, "Oh, okay, this is uh, like people treated it like because it was rationally and psyche, so people treated it for what you know the our main." Mm 
Fowler's treated it for what it was. It was kind of a one-off and mm-hmm. not not a sort of portent of any direction or anything. <laughs> it was just like it no, was that's true because that no happened. one said, "Oh God, you guys aren't going to start doing rock covers, are you?" No. Yeah, but then I don't know it was pretty corny, especially live because you put on your ACDC oh, it was totally, shirt. It was, yeah, <laughs> you we know, put on ACDC like... shirts and stuff. It was totally corny. Yeah, yeah but it was just for fun. Yeah. yeah, you guys are having a blast. It's to yeah. amuse exactly. a friend of yours, and then you know, exactly, gets you know. completely blown out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it was, it was, it was. I was, I was like that radio station. We were pretty irresponsible because they really. Oh, they really. Uh, this radio station. There was yeah. a, a one particular reporter who stirred this whole thing up and. We were kind of hoping people campaign. would like buy our records to burn them, but they didn't. Fine, <laughs> 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 we got a few. Of them. We got a the money. If you want to burn them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very reasonably priced. Uh, Universal gave us a great deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Uh, there's one question that we ask, and I I hate that this is coming to a close because this has been the most enjoyable. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but we ask everybody at the same at the end of all of their uh, interviews just to sort of determine if they're real artists, which, I mean, yeah, you guys have 35 years in the business. You got some credit. Put that aside for a second. Um, this will determine. It's the only scientifically accurate way. Oh. I found oh, it on BuzzFeed. Oh, oh, um, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, it's from BuzzFeed then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get the wrong answer on this. It's, which ACDC song are you? No, it's... Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> um, which former frontman of Genesis has influenced you more, Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins? Uh, do you want me to answer that one? Did have I you you, you yes. each have to answer. Phil Collins influenced me like it's like opposite day, like SpongeBob. Because for a while, when I was young, you couldn't spit without hitting that here and that guy. It's true. It just made me crazy, and so it's like I am going to do anything that is like not like that because I hate it so much. That um, so I think in, in a negative way that can be an influence. It was kind of unfair that he was making all these. He had all these hits like on his own at that time. And then also he was like fronting Genesis at mm-hmm. the time and they were having all these hits and they had, as you will, I'm sure attest, had long since uh, stopped being a sort of, you know, they were... For Genesis know. fans, you were in a land of confusion. So, I mean, clearly Peter Gabriel, and well, I, mean, I mean, I was, for me, uh, obviously Peter Gabriel. Uh, um, and I, as I said, I was telling you earlier, I, I mean, I did see them a couple of times. I think I saw them I saw, saw them twice, I believe, with uh, with uh, Peter Gabriel. Um, once would have been around the time of selling England by the pound, and then the next time was the one where they did with the Lamb Lies down on Broadway. Um, and then I saw Peter Gabriel solo after, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, Peter Gabriel's a major artist in his own mm-hmm. right, and you know, I mean, I. Uh, the, the, a lot of his, particularly his uh, solo stuff, his first two albums, especially, uh, uh, loved those albums. I really mm-hmm. did. You know, San Jacinto and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, uh, amazing. And I always wanted to have that kind of voice, you know? You know, that kind of, that just voice that's got, like, built-in, like, like distortion yeah. metal yeah. or something that's just got that cut to it, you know? Just a little bit of rasp. He still yeah, that rasp, amazing beautiful too. rasp that he had, you know. And, it, and speaking of Genesis, it's funny that, you know, actually Phil Collins was able to sort of like, you know, it's, it's kind of lucky that for them in a way, I suppose, uh, not maybe not for us, but 
for them <laughs> that he was able to sort of com- continue to sort of replicate that because he had a yeah there were similarities in the timbre of their voices but no peter gabriel was a peter i think peter gabriel was a real a really great uh, you know artist and you know i mean he's still a he's still a presence out there and he does his things behind the scenes and and um no uh, he's a he's a he's a good chap you know mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> Definitely had. No, I've never had any sort of anything bad to say about Peter Gabriel. Sorry to blade you there, Phil. Do you have anything <laughs> bad to say about Peter Gabriel? No, 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 not at all. And and uh, see, just uh, while you were talking, I, I I was glad because you took me from that awful version of uh, "You Can't Hurry Love" to <laughs> "Games Without Frontiers." Oh so yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm relief. talking about. Okay, I'm talking about yeah, Games Without Frontiers would be a really uh, no. I was. I, I have to admit, I was never like a super super Gabe, Peter Gabriel fan. Yeah, but, but you wouldn't have thought of them in the same context. Right? No, no, exactly. But Phil Collins. Because he's asking, <laughs> Riley's asking about, yeah, Susu so. Studio. Oh, oh stop. Because those are the ones I stopped listening stick. to Phil Collins because that was playing on the cruise ship during his, like, honeymoon. Mm-hmm. It was just that Susu Studio nonstop. Oh, and just, what a nightmare. Ruined, yeah. Is he still married? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, apparently he's ship making or? a little comeback all of a sudden, right? What's yeah. But you know, more important than that, Rick Astley has made a comeback, and he has a number one album in the UK. You're freaking kidding. really, yeah. So we can he's like just never going to give up. Is no, that's right. It's like going to be Rick. That's it. <laughs> that's it. And he looks in, like in three years, you'll get Rick rolled to some new yeah. song. Yeah, Rick, yeah. <laughs> Rick rolled, yeah. But no, um, you know, Gabriel was, uh, you, so you had nothing but, well, you came in around, yeah, okay, so you remember. Uh, no, I saw, I saw, it was $21, and I saw at the stadium, uh, Peter, the Tubes, then Peter Gabriel, then David Bowie. Shit. That's a nice lineup. That's yeah, it was a good, good lineup. lineup. Yeah, it sure. really is. <laughs> yeah, 21 that's a, that's a nice little. That's a nice little. Uh, My sister brought her tatting. I was so embarrassed. She was sitting there making lace during this concert. During that concert? Yeah. <laughs> Where was this? Uh, at the stadium in Edmonton. Okay. <laughs> no kidding, yeah? Well, yeah. yeah, that's good. I saw, okay, I never saw the tubes, though. They had to put on a good show, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for it sure. It was good. I bet. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. White Punks on Dope. That mm-hmm. was a great yeah. song. You would not believe how many people come in here. And when I ask them that question, they have no context other than In the Air Tonight and the Tarzan soundtrack. And then, like, nothing Sledge for Hammer. Peter Gabriel. Like, not even Sledgehammer. They've got oh, nothing. Really? Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chills. It's been interesting to see the responses from our past guests. <laughs> well, like, since episode I, one. You would have liked this. You didn't get the psycho stabbing when I, when I saw that When I saw Genesis first time, this is when Peter Gabriel was doing the thing with, the, like, the, the flower petals around yeah. his head. And he had his hair long, but, like, sort of shaved the reverse in the mohawk front there. or whatever. Reverse mohawk. <laughs> Yeah, reverse mohawk, and they were like their stage had this sort of black sort of square that they came that they were in, like it was this big fabric sort of square cube that they were sort of in. I don't know what that really did, but yeah, he did the <laughs> thing with the flowers and all of that, and and uh, yeah. no, I mean it was you know it was good. That was that. Was, I mean that really was like progressive rock. Yeah. And I remember, I remember the opening act was Peter Hamill. Um, he had he was in a band called Vandergraaf Generator. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. you don't get enough old people in here. No, we don't. It's true. It's true. It's funny uh, though that the people that uh, 
who are at least conscious in the 80s, um, you know, they all sort of skew Peter Gabriel and then they'll all have things to say, like pertinent things to say yeah. about that. And uh, I, I think it's really true for the most part that like uh, he looked at what Phil Collins was doing and it was sort of the sound of the 80s. If you told up what he sold by himself and what he sold with Genesis, oh, yeah. he was the best. He was the sound of he the 80s. The yep. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I know. Because that's what, well, yeah. happily, like you hear, oh, it's 80s weekend. It's all going to be like. Sorry, my high school stuff. So I think it's pretty decent, <laughs> you know. But but really, it's like no, because then we get into yeah, it's like all the Phil Collins and all that. Like there was a lot of real. Like there's like, a point in time mm-hmm. where you could sell 10 million records in the first month. Yeah. With a face like this, minus the beard. Yeah, it was just no, sort of like, exactly. Yeah, and that's it's, yeah. Well, the thing with Phil Collins in the 80s, I mean, I don't think personally because I knew who he was and everything, and I knew. You know, because he was the, to me, he was the drummer of Genesis, right? You know, but like, but like, it, it, it didn't bother me that much. I mean, like, like there was, there was stuff around that was more annoying, but over time, he got progressively more sort of, you know, his stuff like got worse and worse, I found. You like, like it, it went from being okay, it's Phil Collins, like on the radio, you know, like in the air tonight. And that was, you know, that's that was yeah. that was interesting, mm-hmm. you know, okay. No, it wasn't. It was well, you, you know, I know, I know, you, I know, because you just hear well, it. Was heard weird, it because it was like this weird, like balding middle aged man singing these like lame crap songs and covers and stuff. It's like, well, that's what my mom would listen to. You know? It's going to be awkward to uh, plug my own. You see, I'm album a baby boomer. And <laughs> I'm a baby boomer, and she's Generation X. So yeah, like, so it's like. So we get told to. to no, I mean, now, now I, I, I haven't seen it. If I saw a picture of Phil Collins in the 80s, I'd probably, I'm sure he'd look like young to me. But at the time, it was like, geez, dad, what are you right. doing? You, you know, know? No, that's <laughs> true. Like that's taking up airtime that could belong to some good handsome point. young fella. Good point. Good point. Yeah. That's all. Can you imagine how awkward it was to ask Steve Hackett that? You interviewed Steve Hackett? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then I asked him that at the end of it. <laughs> really? What did he say? <laughs> Steve Hackett was a guitarist for Genesis. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, and he left after, I guess, two albums. With- he was amazing. He was like a very, very unique guitar player. Yeah. He had mm-hmm. an incredible style. Still is. Yeah, so I guess he is. I, I, I mean, I never really kept up with him, but I mean, he had that kind of like he it's almost like he the sound he had it was almost like he was always playing with an ebo or something but he yeah. wasn't yeah he was just played that way you mm-hmm. know like he was a very unique unique guitar player anyway so what did he say well it was funny talking to him about that because uh and this will all be cut out because the the peter gabriel versus phil collins thing is sort of like a great high point to end it because normally i get angry because the person has chosen phil collins uh and <laughs> oh. i just say this interview is over oh my god <laughs> Um, back away from the yeah. couch. <laughs> Everybody go. Which I mean, in this place, you can't really do. No, that's like, oh, the bad. Okay. Yeah. But uh, so he he said like before answering an ad in like uh, was it Melody Maker or Music Maker or something like that? Back, Melody Maker. Yeah. Uh, he said before that, all I did was sort of uh, sit in my room and practice guitar. And so he went from being like this sort of virtuoso into being like the virtuoso of Genesis. And then when I asked him that. To set the scene, holy fuck, we didn't think that we were going to, first of all, ever interview Steve Hackett. Second of all, do it within four months of starting up the podcast. Third, do it three days after his mother-in-law died. Oh, gosh. And so he's coming off, like, sort of running around places in England. Like, he just came back from the wake. 
he starts talking to us. Well, talking to me. It was just mm-hmm. me and him. Adam was in the background for that interview. This was our first Skype interview. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, he's just Skype interview. Yeah. And um, so through the thing, like it's sort of it's 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 almost it's it's a very surreal interview because he's very like he's in a very different place. Uh, and then we start talking about uh, Chris Squire. The last oh. thing Chris Squire played on before he died was on Steve Hackett's latest album. Oh. And then he like he gets into like this very spiritually in touch place, and he's like, "Well, you know, Chris still tells me, you know, how to write these bass lines and things like that." And then because we've done so many episodes, where at the end the last question is it's this expected, and like if I didn't ask him that of all so did the, you tell him that you yeah, always you had, this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i tried to i tried to put as much preamble i said you know if you don't want to do it but he's just like the quintessential polite englishman mm-hmm. and you can tell he didn't like the question he said well you know we did good things with both peter and phil and i to differentiate them yes i left soon after phil and yes i think i might be more proud of supper's ready but uh oh very nice <laughs> but just like handled. so yes. so so polite and in it because for me this is the first time that i i was ever interviewing like i never thought that i'd be asking one of my heroes yeah. any questions i'm just watching yeah. sweat the entire time yeah oh, god like, I, <laughs> my hour's up i gotta ask the question <laughs> and then asking him that and knowing that like if i ask him this there's no friendship after this there's no oh steve i'm in england you know yeah, yeah no you're gonna be yeah, done yeah. 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 Really. yeah and sort of i i think i'm okay with that i think i'm okay with it. saying hey you know former guitarist of genesis and of middling fame with wolflight or acolyte um takes balls to ask him that question yeah no i'm i'm proud (laughs) Uh, but it was just like so if the interview hadn't been going so sort of quaintly to use an english term i don't think i would have asked it like if it had been uh sort of someone who got super angry at you guys for doing uh uh, you know a cover song Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't have asked it, but just like there's that opportunity and you got to cool. hey. do it once. And in that moment, you know, no, now I'm, you have to do it for everybody. Cause I mean, if you, do well, it, no, but that was him. perfect. That was absolutely good. <laughs> Did for you ask you for him doing uh, it. what he thought of Morelia? <laughs> oh God. Oh. I think there's Remember Morelia, you'd Oh, early eighties. And, and again, you couldn't hit. Well, it was, but I, they I were was like reading a, a lot of English, yeah. English magazines. They were like totally a Genesis Oh, I know, but copy. it was like, Oh, Marillion, they're so vaunted. It's like they're they're old fashioned. Yeah, exactly. They're they derivative like and copy. I don't like them anyway. So <laughs> they were yeah. kinda out of time, you know, like they were like Yeah, no, I know. You know they it were, didn't fit with the times, but actually they did pretty well considering. Well no, because that's because yeah, they, they were like quite a few critics darling, right? Yeah. It's like, oh oh, and you honestly you couldn't pick up an English music magazine without seeing yeah, really yeah. in there. Fish. I think I asked him one question about Squacket, which was him <laughs> and Hackett. And just them sort of... Oh, Squire and Hackett. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, you listen to it now, it's essentially two virtuosos masturbating for 45 minutes. <laughs> but that, that, you know, I mean, I mean, he would have appreciated that you knew all that stuff, too. I mean, that's like, oh, yeah. you know... Like, Until you blew it and asked him <laughs> it's the Phil Collins. But it is yeah. pretty esoteric. I mean, you know, like, I mean, he, he would appreciate that. Yeah.
Thank you.